Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Looks like Judd's already been into the liquor, huh? Well, actually, it's a carryover from last night. Oh, still. Oh, no, it's the food. It's too much Judd, food coma from last night. Judd made several trips to the TCL Theater Box buffet of desserts. <laughs> yeah. After pounding the buffet of actual food. Oh, the cookies and the apple stuff. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it was uh, It was impressive. Not quite as impressive as what happened on the court at Target Center last night. Gets inside and one. He's got the 5-0. Towns for the record. Oh, my God. And a new Timberwolves single-game franchise record set by Carl Anthony Towns. It's cool. Uh, not serious, though. Uh, I'd rather end the drought here uh, 14 years. So uh, we got some work to do still. Uh, we got to go to Dallas, get a win. Um, I play better defense than we did tonight. So um, we could do that. Have a chance to actually make history. I didn't think I shot well tonight, but it just happens like that tonight. We know we just nah, I didn't shoot that well. Uh, make I, shot shot well. I got some easy ones. My teammates made it uh, easy for me to get some of them, up, get some of them up there, and uh, have a good chance to make them. Um, but I would lie if I said I felt like I was on fire or I was shooting well because I didn't feel like I shot well tonight. Yeah, you know, I was, just, I was just 19 of 32 and 6 of 8 from downtown. That wasn't that good. 12 though. of 15 from the line and scored 56 points, but that was kind of off. I wasn't that impressed. I, was, I mean, it, it was okay. It was, I, I mean, 56 know. points, I, you know. Felt like the ball wasn't rotating very well yeah. off my fingertips. It's last a nice night. night. I expect far more. Uh, that might be a little uh, little bit of like false humility there from Carl Anthony Towns. It's okay, dude. You can, you can thump your chest. You just did something that Kevin Garnett never did. Uh, well, something that Mo Williams actually did, which is he had the franchise record, the franchise record points. Yeah, fifty-two. Uh, the franchise leaders in points in a single game. It was Mo Williams, and then Corey Brewer was number two. And then you get to like Kevin Love had a fifty-one point night or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiggins has scored forty-seven, KG forty-seven, but fifty-six, fifteen, and four. You and I were in the house. At the TCL Theater Box, uh, just just amazing. It was we were hanging out with uh, some auction winners from the Courage Kenny uh, day long fundraiser we do every year. The food was so and we good. picked a good game. I mean, Towns was good. The food was better. <laughs> Did you make five total trips, okay. including both buffet and dinner? Two, let's see, I like made d- a dessert and yeah, dinner. Two, uh, four total trips. Four total so trips. Two dinner and so two dinner trips. 
Um, including including uh, more uh, pasta that, than one person should possibly eat Well, they had like three a salads night. and a pasta, and Judd, Judd ignored the salads and went straight for the I, pasta. It's not true. I went back after, because the first time the salad was low, the second time I went back, it, it was there. So I made uh, a second trip there, and then I went to the dessert bar and got a cookie and a small like little pie thing and put whipped, whipped cream on that. Wow. And then I went back because they had some type of apple thing that was fantastic. So four trips. Wow. I love, like, I got Tom- to. Work, good. I got Food to work better. this morning, and Judd's like, dude, how can you eat breakfast? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I had some salad and a cookie. Like, what did you do? It's like, right. I'm... I actually went from four in the morning straight to the studio from the buffet. He's like, I enjoyed the TCL life, okay? I was living the TCL life at Target Center. Judd was rocking gel life and TCL, TCL sweet life. life last night. Yeah. Uh, now my pants are really tight. I, which oh. is good. I have some lists here. Let's celebrate the greatness of Carl Anthony Towns here. 56, 15, and 4 last night. I've got a list of all-time performances that have at least met that bar. And it's a short list. Like, this is... He is putting up numbers that that fall on lists that should not be ignored. I mean, he's not... Like, scrubs don't put up... You don't just... Like, Mo Williams put up 52 points, but he doesn't grab you the rebounds and do all the other things, too. Players in NBA history to put up 55, 15, and 4 in a single game. Anthony Davis did it two years ago against Detroit, 59-20-4 in that game. All right. It's ridiculous. Yes. You got to go back then. Michael Jordan on March 28th, so exactly 28, or uh, let me count here. Yeah, 28 years ago, 1990, 60 points, 18 rebounds, 6 assists at Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Kevin McHale, Minnesota zone, March 3rd, 1985, 56-16, 4 assists and 3 blocks. In a game against, I don't know, somebody. Now, you go way back. Wilt Chamberlain did it like five or six times when he was the only big man in the NBA next to Bill Russell. And then Rick Barry on October 29th, 1966. It's Hall of Famers. Yeah. And it's a short list. It's not a Have done not a that in yes. a game before. Yes. It's insane. Uh, here's a couple more just for fun. Just, right. to, just to highlight the incredible blossoming game of Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. 15 boards in a game and six plus three pointers made. So I want to I wanted to find something like it's if you're going to shoot a bunch of threes, you're probably not the type of player who's going to grab a bunch of rebounds either. Like Dirk Nowitzki will hit a couple threes and then grab some rebounds, but we're talking 15 plus rebounds and also you hit six plus threes in a game, which is a pretty rare combination. Uh, only 10 players have ever done it, including Towns, Vince Carter in his prime, James Harden, Kevin Love. Dirk, Rasheed Wallace, and Russell Westbrook. So either All Stars, Hall of Famers. Yeah, that's a decent list to right? be on. Yes. How about how about this one? Uh, full season, forty percent from three, and also averaging twelve rebounds per game. So another quirky combination where you're grabbing a bunch of rebounds on a regular basis. Oh, and you shoot threes. Not what you would usually expect. Yes. Only two players ever have done that over the course of a full season. Carl Anthony Towns this year. And Kevin Love with the Timberwolves really? in 2010, 2011. <laughs> okay. And then this is my last one for you here. This is my favorite one. Players over the course of a full season who've shot 50% from the field, which is a great number, 40% from three, which is a great number, and 85% from the free throw line, which is a great number, right? The list is basically sniper shooting Hall of Fame guards and Carl Anthony Towns. It's Larry Bird, Kevin Durant, Monta Ginobili did it once in his prime, Steve Kerr, 
Jeff Hornacek, Kawhi Leonard, Steve Nash, Reggie Miller, yep. Dirk Nowitzki, Mark Price, and a couple other guys like who had just random pop-up seasons like Tim Legler did at one time. Ray Allen isn't even on that list. First ballot Hall of Famer, eventually Ray Allen. And Carl Anthony Dodds. <laughs> it's remarkable. Like, he's putting up the yeah. offensive numbers of a, of Steve Nash, like of a sniper shooting guard. And he's seven feet tall. Well, that shot's such a good shot. Um, here, Here's the thing that I, I loved about his game last night. And the Wolves' defense is still suspect and concerning. All right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that things are perfect. But if you take Cat and the greatness of this guy and the player that, that he is right now and, and the fact that he's evolving into an even greater player basically on a yearly and nightly basis, it's this. Monday night you play Memphis, okay? It's a game that you should have won by 30 points. But Cat stats, 5 of 13 from the field, 12 boards, not bad, 15 points. But... I go back to this. 13 field goal attempts. Not nearly en- enough, right? I mean, there were way too many. Let's say he he had 13. Gibson had 12 shots. Andrew had 17 shots. Yeah. Teague had 13 shots. Crawford off the bench had 12. Okay? That's not acceptable. Last night, Carl Anthony Towns attempted 32 shots. Yeah. Your next highest total, 19 below him, Andrew. This is what... Carl Anthony Towns and the Wolves have to realize this, and they did last night. If Jimmy Butler's not playing, Phil, this is not a two-man team. This is a one-man team, and everything has to filter through Cat. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. If you if you lose because Cat is just awful, that's okay. It might be frustrating, yes. but it's okay. But what they did last night... And, and I don't know if it's a coaching staff. I don't know if it's teammates. I don't know if it's Cat himself or if it's a, co- a combo of things, which it very well might be. But the realization last night to go out there and say, whether I'm great or not, I'm shooting th- 32 times as opposed to 13 in a loss to th- the Grizzlies is the biggest thing to me. This is, if Butler's not playing, this is one man's team, and that is Cat. He's also a really good passer, too. You know, he's not going to, to this point in his career, and again, the guy's like, what is he, 21? 20, this is 22. He turned 22. 22. Yeah. And so he's only going to get better as a passer. You'd have to think better defensively. And and last night, actually, he, he flipped the switch defensively a couple times last night. Now, in fairness, you're playing the Hawks, and you and I, before we got a couple uh, couple adult beverages in us, like we, we were not clouded in our judgment when we looked at their roster. And I like, I'm a basketball guy. You know, I watch basketball oh, on a regular basis. Honest to God, looked at the Hawks roster last night, and it was, I had heard of four players, or three years. Like, Muscala's from Minnesota, so yeah. that barely counts. Baysmore, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, a couple other guys, maybe. So, you should Miles put that. Plumley. Yeah, so you should, guys, you should put that team to bed. In fact, you probably shouldn't even have to be sweating in the fourth quarter against that team, even without Jimmy Butler. Uh, they didn't play a lot of defense, the Wolves, last night, but Towns blocked a couple shots when needed to. And to your point, when you run the, it's like, when, when you take away the Jimmy Butler luxury in the fourth quarter and you come to your senses and don't just go iso ball with Andrew Wiggins and you just run the ball through Carl Anthony Towns. Well, guess what? When he's on, instant double team and he's good enough to pass out of it. There was a couple times last night where he'd make a like a cross court, he'd be low block on the right side and make a cross court pass to the left wing. And now that gets the ball moving in the corner for a three-point attempt and now you're at the mercy of who who makes it. But 
Exactly. Uh, but if you run it through him, but it has to go you might him. create an open shot two passes later, yes. or he might just go to work and get a basket or get to the free throw and line. And that's your team. He shoots 85% from the free throw that, line. He's that's ridiculous. your team. Yes. He has to touch the ball he has, all the time. He has, if you didn't, if you didn't watch the games and you just sort of like looked at the box scores, he has the offensive statistical profile of Hall of Fame guards, and he's seven feet tall. It's insane. I think one thing that, that I'm fired up about today, and I'm glad he put some separation with that performance last night between him and other players, I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves for how great of an overall player he is. And yes, like people are going to say, well, he's not the greatest defensive player. He's not a train wreck defensively. He, he may have been early in the year. Watch the games. He's getting better defensively. But he is one of the top five or six offensive players in the NBA. Coming, and that includes though, right? like James Harden, LeBron That's James. That's coming. It'll get better. That's very soon. He might not ever be KG in his prime defensively, but no, no. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, I think the the national recognition of his game is coming. Sure, but I, but I mean like the local recognition. Sometimes I think a well, lot of a lot of people still put him in the same sentence as Andrew Wiggins. They do, and that is absurd. Last night's, last night's program had three players, three Wolves. Your big three. It's not a big three. It's a big two, and when Butler doesn't play, it's a big one, yeah. and, that, and that's it. Everybody else on this team last night played their correct role. You are supporting players. Nobody who played last night beyond Towns is is anything more than a supporting player. And that doesn't mean that they're not important, but it does mean this. You don't have a team that has a big three. You have a big two. Last night's a big one. It just happens, you know, so... Um, my teammates got me open. He had a great ball movement. We had a 30, 33 assists. So we had great ball movement. Ball was moving everywhere. Everyone was touching the ball. Uh, you know, just one of those nights where the last pass was uh, just finding me in a good spot. We wanted him to run the floor harder because we felt like he would be, you know, double teamed and just trying to get post depth. Was that, that was like a, a big thing that we wanted him to do. So. You know that he's going to get a lot of attention in there, and the more active it, he is, the faster he can run the floor, uh, the better it's going to be for him. Just let him go, Tibbs. Heavy breathing. Just tips. let him go, Tibbs. You're not helping him. Just breathing. Just let him the go. Microphone. He's good enough. Uh, yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, Lubermere points out. Name one guy that can even attempt to guard Cat on the Hawks. Actually, name one guy on the Hawks. I mean, honestly, name. Name more than two players on the Hawks not from Minnesota. Mike Muscala doesn't count. Poor Mike Muscala was trying to guard Cat last night. Oh, I know. It was, oh, man. It was absolutely not fair. Uh, we have a lot of show today. So our guest list includes uh, Jamie Watson's going to join in about 20 minutes. There's some, some big Minnesota United FC news. They landed a big fish. I guess you'd call it a transfer. Mm-hmm. We call it free agency in other sports, but... He's going to explain why this matters in about 20 minutes from now. Lou Nanny at the top of the hour. Doogie with a scoop in the 10 o'clock hour. Roy Smalley makes his Talking Twins 2018 debut at 1130. Matthew Collar at 1215. Let's talk some Twins when we come back here. Uh, let's, uh, let's play the declarative statement game when we come back and celebrate not only Carl Anthony Towns, but opening day for the Minnesota Twins in Major League Baseball. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Left center field going back is Bradley. Going back is Bradley. It's gone. A walk-off home run for Joe Bauer. Hit hard to center. Buxton chasing it, leaping. Oh, Byron Buxton, did he catch it? Oh, what a catch. 
Sano gives it a ride to left field. Get up. Tie game. A high drive. Right center field and deep. Rosario with his third home run tonight. Circle me Burt signs to target field. There's a drive to left off the bat of Dozier. And this ball is gone. A home run. Dave sneaking that little uh, Circle Me Burt mentioned in there. Oh, more Circle Me Burt. Very good, very good. Uh, yes, Twins and Orioles today at 2 o'clock. And the lineup is the same one. In fact, do you have it in front of you? I well, think the Stribs got, got, I think, what they put out as the probable lineup yesterday. Yeah, fire it up. Let's Dozier, do it. Dozier leads off Maurer, Sano, Rosario, Lomo bats fifth. Eduardo Escobar at shortstop at six. Uh, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton hitting eighth. Jason Castro hitting ninth. And Oda Rizzi gets the start against uh, Dylan Bundy. Right on. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have Roy Smalley on at eleven thirty for his two thousand eighteen Mackey and Judge Show debut. He's been one of our favorite baseball guests for a number of years on the show, and it'll be fun to have him back in the mix. Doogie with a scoop at ten fifteen. Lou Nanny at the top of the hour. But uh, I like I like this idea that you came up with here. We've gone through all of our predictions and all of our uh, Twins preseason awards. Let's play the declarative statement game, and and we're just going to use one statement and then fill in the blank as many times as we can uh, run through during uh-huh. this segment. So uh-huh. it will be disappointing if blank. Yes, regarding the Twins. Yes. So we're kind of setting our expectations for the Twins in this segment. Uh, I've got four of them. All right. You have three. I've got three of so them. So let me go first, and then we can maybe right. get through seven of these. I think it'll be disappointing if the Twins don't get back to at least the American League wildcard game. I think it's unrealistic to expect them to win the division this year. Cleveland has put themselves in such a great spot with two ace-caliber pitchers. In I mean, everyone talks about Corey Kluber. Nobody talks about Carlos Carrasco. That guy's one of the top 10 or 12 pitchers in baseball. And they've got both those guys in their rotation. And also a bullpen and a lineup and all these other things. So I think Yankees, Astros, Indians are locks for the playoffs unless injuries take place or you know some other unforeseen circumstance. Red Sox are going to be really good. There's going to be some formidable teams that might pop up, like Orioles have some interesting pieces, um, Angels, Rangers. You could make a case for the Mariners lineup, but I don't know about their pitching staff. So, But, but once you get past Yankees, Astros, Indians... Hey, Twins, Yeah, get in there. Well, and plus, to to the point, too, is you're going to play, what, 19 games against the White Sox, the Tigers, and KC. Correct. So you're going to be given every opportunity to get get in, even if you don't win the AL Central, as a wild card. So so it's 19 19 times 3, so you're going to play, whatever, 57 games. I mean, you should get 35-plus wins. Let's call it 35 well, or 40 wins against those teams alone. Detroit's going to be awful, right? KC is going to be awful. I think the I think the White Sox might not be awful, but you should beat them a bunch. I mean, it's this is a conservative estimate, but if you go 12 and 7 against all of those teams, so you you beat up on them, you win two out of every three games or so. That's 36 right there, and then do mm-hmm. some damage against the rest of the the schedule. Or yeah, 36. Check my California math. Before I circle people. Circle me. Circle me, Phil. Uh, it will be disappointing if Byron Buxton does not hit at least 280 this season with 35 stolen bases. Okay. So he had, I want to say he had, with the awful first half last year, and, and then came on and played uh, very well in the second half. I believe he finished around 30 stolen bases. So he yeah, probably. 20, 29 so, in one caught stealing. So he probably should be more towards 40. Uh, but 
He hit uh, 253 last year. I think 280 is a starting point. And we are now past the point, I believe, with, with this group of Buxton and Sano where you hope. I hope they can do this. I hope they need to be starting this year, sure things. And that starts with Buxton. Buxton has shown us in flashes and glimpses and and even sort of an extended one in 2017 that he has the ability to be dominant in certain places. And we know defensively he is fantastic. But at the plate, if he does not put together, I don't want to see a bad month, two good months, a bad month. Mm -hmm. I want to see consistency. And if you don't get that from him, this year, it's going to be disappointing. So I'm going to take your Byron Buxton, and I'm going to I'm going to add to it. I think it would be disappointing if Byron Buxton didn't emerge as the best overall position player on the team in 2018. And there's there's different ways you can quantify that, or you can just do it subjectively. If you're into wins above replacement, Brian Dozier was number one among position players on the Twins last year. He was worth five wins above replacement, which is a really good number. That's like top 25 position players in baseball. Buxton, mostly because of his defense, was three and a half wins above replacement. So what that says is if you were to put a Danny Santana out there, and you might think, well, that doesn't seem right. Didn't Wouldn't Buxton be worth more than that? Well, there, there's a reason why you can't just add one really good player like Mike Trout to a team, and all of a sudden they win 100 games. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's incremental in baseball. But I think if he does what you're talking about, which is very realistic, and I think of it more in terms of on base percentage, but whatever. Like, get on base at a 330 or 350 clip, steal some bases, play some amazing defense, score runs, drive in runs. I think he can be a five plus wins above replacement guy, or translated to the non stat heads, I think he can get MVP votes. I think he can be one of the best overall players in baseball, and it would be disappointing Should if. Should be an all star. Yes. It would be disappointing if he wasn't the best overall position player on this team. Also worth noting. He has just shy of 1,000 career plate appearances. This is the time in a player's career, age 24 for most players, if you're not a non-freak like Bryce Harper who's just instantly clicking at 19 years old. Uh, this is the age and the amount of plate appearances where it's time to go. So for Buxton, it's time to go. It will be a disappointment if the Twins don't move into the top 10 in bullpen ERAs this year. They, they were at uh, 4.4 last year. They were 22nd. Cleveland led uh, the AL at 2.89. I'm not saying that they're going to be top three, but I think you add Reed, Duke, Rodney, reconstruct things, take a, take some of the pitchers that you might have asked too much from last year and change their role. It will be a disappointment if this is not a top 10 ERA bullpen in 2018. Yeah. I mean, this could be a really sneaky good bullpen if you get contributions from the unknown guys, Ryan Presley, you know, if uh, if Buzinitz comes up from AAA or something. I mean, it's, you're not relying on those guys. You've got the veterans. You've kind of solidified the end of it. So if they get if they get two or three other guys who aren't in that veteran group to all of a sudden pop up, then it could be a really sneaky bullpen. It would be disappointing if Miguel Sano didn't play at least 140 games and have his best season as a major leaguer. So health productivity, durability, all those things. Now, he did play, if my math is right here, again, 146 games between AA and the majors in 2015. So he did play a full season if you if you include his 66 games at AA that year. Uh, but his last two years, 
he hasn't even gotten to 120, 116 and 114. And yeah, he fouled the ball off his leg. I'm not, I'm not saying it's 100% his fault. Right, but you still, but yes. Just give us 140. Yep. You can spend some time on the DL, but give us 140 and have your, it's a 10-day DL now. So and, go take 10 days. And don't whatever. gain weight, too. Yeah, that's don't a, that's pack on thing. 15 pounds during that stint on the DL. But have your have your most productive season. Stay on the field for a full season, preferably at third base, and uh, and and take that next step. Show us something, mm-hmm. something more than what you've shown so far. And then get dealt to uh, Tampa Bay for Chris Archer. That's right. Uh, my last one, and I'm asking a lot here. This is a big ask. It will be a disappointment if Jose Barrios doesn't have an ERA of three or lower this season. Whoa. That's a Below huge. Below three. That is a huge ask. In because a, in a offensive yes, era. Yes, because in the American League last year, I will give you the pitchers who had an ERA below three. Their names were Corey Kluber at 2.25, Chris Sale at 2.9, and Luis Severino at 2.98. The National League had quite a few, actually. I think their top five might have all been around three or lower than that. So I'm asking a lot here. But I think you've got the potential to to go into um, 2019 considering Barrios to be your, your ace, not just your best pitcher, but an ace. And I think that starts with asking him to have an ERA of three or below in 2018. That's a lot. Ooh, that's... Uh... Yeah, that's pretty aggressive. I mean, that would I th- I think he has that potential. Uh but like if if he finishes with something in the I think below three and a half would be a really good step forward for him for for like two hundred innings to do to do that. I mean, there's some really good pitchers. In fact, there's only seventeen starting pitchers in either league that finished with an ERA below three and a half last year because offense is just on the I know. on a rocket ship. That's why I'm asking and for home runs are up. Uh, Lance Lim was one of them, actually, with with the Cardinals last year. But Jacob Degrom had an ERA over three and a half. Uh, Justin Verlander was three point three six between his two teams last year. Yu Darvish was three point eight six. In fact, there were only twenty nine pitchers, qualified starting pitchers, that qualified for the for the ERA title. Only twenty nine with an ERA under four. Yep, last year. I'm asking for ace like stuff. He does have ace like stuff. We'll see about the. The results and the productivity. All right, my last one is it would be disappointing if the Twins didn't make a big splash at the trade deadline. And they have to be in a position, wins and losses, to make that big splash. But if they are, and they just beefed up their roster in the offseason, didn't have to trade any of their top 20 prospects to do it, and you'd like to think that they're going to continue to build up some of the value of these prospects... Don't be afraid to pull the trigger. If you're in a spot and you have a chance to land even Cole Hamels, a rent-a-pitcher, for some sort of a like top 10 prospect. Nick Gordon package. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to, to make a move that's going to get you to the American I, League Championship. I think they series. would do that. I think these guys would do that. It, it would be very un-twins-like from the previous re- regime. But I, I've got a sense that if they think they're positioned correctly, they would do it. Yeah, and don't I think ideally... You'd like to Cole Hamels might be a tough one because it would be strictly a rent to pitcher for 2018, assuming the Rangers are out of it, and and it's hard to justify even adding a pitcher at the deadline. The Twins beating the Astros in a seven game series, so you'd you'd like the trade that you make to carry over into future seasons, like Justin Verlander for the the Astros. They said, all right, we'd like to add some ammunition. It'd be awesome if that ammunition carried over into future seasons, and for Justin Verlander, it does. So preferably the big splash, Chris Archer, whoever it may be would carry over into 2019 and and 20 and beyond. 
So there they are. It'll be disappointing if those things don't take place. Yes, it will. Uh, Lou Nanny at the top of the hour. Oh, let's do this too. So eight times during our show, two times every hour, whenever you hear the ESPN uh, baseball chimes, we're going to give away a copy to, uh, let's say, the fifth caller. And by the way, it's official. 651-646-8255. MLB The Show 2018 for PlayStation 4. Be the fifth caller right now, and every time you hear the ESPN baseball chime, and you can win uh, the hottest new baseball video game. I believe Aaron Judge is on the cover. You are correct. I haven't confirmed that visually, but 651-646-8255, We are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Jamie Watson's going to join us for some breaking loons news when we come back. Loon Annie, Doogie with a Scoop, Roy Smalley, Matthew Collar, tons of show. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They do take themselves way too serious, and I can only stand about half an hour of it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And welcome back to Real 1500 ESPN. Here are your hosts, Philip Mackey and Judson Zolgad. Put your flags up in the All right, well, we were stuffing our faces inside the TCL theater box at Target Center last night watching Cat just dropping 56 points and 15 rebounds. Minnesota United FC fans were actually stationed at the airport. Uh, Jamie Watson's going to join us right now because we need we need you to answer a bunch of questions about Darwin Quintero, the biggest, and we call them free agents with the sports that we follow usually here in uh, United, the United States. Is it a transfer? Explain the acquisition of Darwin Quintero. It's the biggest player acquisition in uh, the MLS history, well, in the total history of uh, of Loon's soccer, Jamie. What's going on, man? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. really appreciate it. I, uh, I missed you last week, Phil, when it was uh, Zolgad and Watson. Um, it was a good show, though, Jamie. Mackie and Judd, it sounds way better, and, and I was a I was a distant second to, to the normal show. But, Judd, you're right, it was a great show. And last night, while Cat was doing great things, while the Twins were finalizing, their opening day roster and their 25-man roster, Minnesota United had a player fly in to finalize his deal today. Uh, that is the biggest signing in club history. It is called, uh, he's a designated player by classification, which is, if you think back to when David Beckham came, that's when they basically created this rule. It is essentially the David Beckham rule. The okay. designated player is when you have a player that is so valuable that he would exceed the normal salary cap restrictions, each team can have up to three players that fall under those categories. And they only count against half a million against the salary cap, but they obviously will make more. The transfer will be more. Still, to answer your question, this will be a transfer. Um, I don't know the actual financial terms of that transfer, but he's coming from Mexico, Club America. Darwin Quintero is coming here and – the deal will look to get finalized either later today or early tomorrow, but it is a big deal and the biggest signing, as you mentioned, Phil, in Minnesota United's history. So how much does this improve the, the team immediately? Well, so whether Kevin Molino's ACL injury happened, Kevin Molino was uh, arguably our best player. He tore his ACL in the second game of the season. Darwin Quintero would have still been the best player, would have still come in and been the role that Kevin was. Kevin was playing a little bit out of position um, to be able to to fill a, a, a void that was there. 
Darwin will play that role, and he will be the guy that will come in and create a lot of things for the team. He'll be able to score a goal. He'll be able to create a goal for the team. He's that fine line of crazy and genius where he may try something that you go, what is he thinking? And then it ends up in the top corner, and it's something spectacular, and you go, Oh, okay, yeah, that's a bit of genius right there. Yeah, so so I was doing some research. Uh, you, you texted me last night, so I instantly looked up Darwin Quintero's resume. So he's 30 years old, and uh, and for people who don't follow international soccer very closely, he's played the last decade or so in Mexico's top league, which, what Jamie, once you get past, so you go, it's EPL, Bundesliga, La Liga are kind of the top trio, but then... Mexico's top league is right in there in that in that next mix, right, in terms of best leagues in the world. And he played at a high level the last decade in in that league in Mexico. Absolutely. And he played for, for two of the biggest teams, first was Santos Laguna, now Club America. Club America is one of the most uh, world-renowned clubs. Um, and if you go anywhere in, in sports, in, in, in the U.S., in the world, and, and if there's a team that follows a team in Mexico, there's a good chance they're a Club America fan. So this guy was beloved there. He was um, had a great run there. It came to an end because Minnesota United came in and, I guess, made the right offer. Look, Like I said, I don't know the financial terms, but I do know last year there was a report that the San Jose Earthquakes and Major League Soccer were putting a bid in of up to 4 to $5 million just to sign him, just to then be able to negotiate a contract with him, just to buy him from that team. Now, like I said, I don't know exactly what Minnesota United has spent, um, but that was the summer of 2017 when another team in Major League Soccer was willing to pay 4 to $5 million for him, so, according to reports. So dumb question. So a player like this, when you're talking about a designated player that doesn't count fully toward the cap, the team still pays the full salary, but from a cap perspective, they get some relief, right? Or does, or is there another way that absolutely? Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's not a dumb question at all because you're you're on the hook for up to I think it's five hundred and four thousand dollars is the actual dollar amount, but anything over that, he will still get paid, and that comes directly from ownership from the club. This is so this is a big commitment financially um, to be able to to say okay, right. For example, I, the 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 range of designated player salaries in the league goes from upwards of seven million dollars, six seven million dollars, the top end, and then I'd say there's as low as a million, a million five. So I know it's not a, a, a close range, but that's to give you the range of designated players, and that's I mean really just the scope of how what investment you want to make. Uh, in between there is up to the ownership group. Yeah, but so, it's a it's a big signing, and that can be made up obviously with with wins, with merchandise, with uh, with marketing. I mean, last night when he flew into the airport, as, as Phil was talking about, there was probably forty or fifty fans. And look, this is this is not official. So this was just the fans who had found out about this, the fans who made it there. The guy comes through security, and there's forty or fifty people there. Um, Singing, oh Darwin Quintero. I mean, Sing it for us. It's it was, good. They've already got a chant for the guy, and he's not even signed officially with the team. Is this, I mean, this Jamie? Is, is this like when when the Vikings bring in a free agent? Are they going to take him to uh, to Manny Steakhouse or something? Like where where are we going to where are we going to wine and dine Darwin today? Exactly. That's a good question. So so he's so he's a Colombian who played in Mexico. So do you want do you want to take him to like a Colombian place? Do you want to take him to something he's familiar with? Um, I mean, you don't want to you offend want to the guy. You don't, you don't want to take him somewhere chintzy either, like where you think it might be authentic, but it's not, and he calls but you on is, it and he flies out of town. Right, and, this and is done, though, right? Through, so, like, you. It's not done. 
Oh, no, he hasn't signed the contract yet. Oh, so he you got to you got to be careful. You don't want to you don't so want to upset bail? him during lunch. Yeah, so he could bail. He could okay. still bail. If you okay. hey, if you if he gets food poisoning, the blood's on your hands. If he doesn't sign the go contract, go to Manny's then. Just go to Manny's. <laughs> if you if you take him if you take him to somebody's cabin in Duluth and give him hot dish and he doesn't like it, yeah, this is that would be some serious Minnesota blood on your hands there. So uh, look, the deal will get finalized. It'll either be you know later today, tomorrow, but. But yeah, there's that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the whining and dining stages is done. I think he's. I don't think he gets on a flight um, if he's not uh, ready to, to sign some uh, to practice as John Hancock on the bottom of a, of a fat contract. If you know what I mean. So why now? Why why not a month ago? Or you know, uh, why not make this move if possible when when he he could have gone through training with the team? No, good question. I you know, and to be honest. There has actually been – the scouting from Minnesota United has been um, very meticulous in the sense of when you make a big financial investment in a player, we're in the midst of we've, – we've just paid reportedly $100 million to get into MLS. We're building our own stadium, reports between 150 175 $200 million, and then you want to go find another guy to pay however many millions for sure. um, in total – you want to make sure that you get it right. So you can't just throw money at a player and say, well, let's take a couple million dollar crapshoot here. You want to make sure you go through and you find the right guy. Situations change. He still plays for Club America at the moment. He's still one of their players. So you also have to negotiate the deal with that. So no, there's no telling how long the negotiations have been going on. Okay. Um, so that's, that's the weirdness of soccer is you've got to figure out how much money just to buy them to be able to say – now let's talk salary, but you also got to make sure you get it right because it's the first one in team history, and you don't want to, you know, swing and miss on your first first shot at it. Hey, how, how much time to d- does it take uh, for a team to adjust to a player like this? So when when you plop him him in in now, uh, does it take some transitioning for guys to adapt, or c- can this be really quick and he can be a star from the word go from his first game? Yeah, good question, Judd. Uh, you know, it, it does take a little bit of acclimation time. Um, just to, you know, get to know a tendency of a guy, what he's going to like to do in this spot. Does he like to do this when he's got the ball at his foot? Maybe he likes to, to um, drive people, uh, you know, draw in some defenders and at the last second want to dish it off instead of take the shot. Or maybe, you know, he's going to be a guy that you want to create space for because when he gets a shot, it's going to end up, you know, on target or he's going to look to score a goal himself. So it, it takes a little bit of time for that. So I wouldn't expect the first week for him to just come light it up and, and you know, uh, be the savior of, of soccer in Minnesota. But he is that special player. This guy is hes diminutive in size, but he is strong and powerful and quick and can just do things that make you go, man, I played 12 years and I don't think I ever did something that cool. And that's like a Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock and, the National Sports Center and Blaine at training. You know what I mean? He's just, he's got something special about him, something special that uh, the club's seen. So it's a big deal, and, and, and it will take a little bit of acclimation. I mean, the guy's got to get used to living in Minnesota, but hopefully it gets warm here soon enough for him so he doesn't uh, well, do home sit. there's anything. a home game at <laughs> 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Bring an extra <laughs> scarf is what I would recommend. Uh, and then hopefully by the time uh, late April rolls around, it's it's a battle of... United FC teams on Saturday night, which you can hear obviously on 1500 ESPN, uh, seven o'clock. But if he's going to play in that game, uh, bring an extra pair of socks, Jamie, and you too. He won't. He won't be in. Th- he won't be in this one. But yes, bring an extra pair of socks. 
get get warm. I'll be on the sidelines uh, with an extra extra scarf on. And and if you can't make it to the game, make sure you listen to Dan TR uh, call on 1500 with Brian Pyatt doing the pre and post. I mean, those guys have been fantastic. So hopefully, uh, people are enjoying listening to the broadcast if they can't make it to the game. Well, dude, thank you for. Uh, you, I think you've you filled our knowledge tanks here, and this is exciting. If you're a, a soccer fan of the Twin Cities, it's the biggest splash this team has made in its history, and uh, hopefully they don't screw it up today by like getting the guy food poisoning. But we'll have to find out. So, Jamie, thank you, man, and we'll catch up sometime soon. See you, Jamie. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, guys. Bye. All right, Jamie Watson. You can also hear him, Adrian Heath show, and all over the place, uh, Minnesota United stuff. It was a strong show broadcast. last week. He was very good. I heard it was strong enough to where, like, I was told, like, why don't you just take the right, just take a few more days off. Good Jamie. My partners here. never get fired. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's at that time of year, too. I'm always looking <laughs> over my shoulder. Uh, Lou Nanny at the top of the hour. Doogie with a scoop. Roy Smalley makes his debut in a couple hours. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. No way. You can't just stroll up and be welcome back by everyone. Hey, welcome back. On 1500. ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN and the Beer Show's Chris Reavers for the 2018 Minnesota Brewers Ball Saturday, April 7th at the International Market Square building in Minneapolis. You can enjoy samples from more than 30 breweries, distilleries, and wineries, all while raising money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. The evening also includes very good food and the silent and live auctions. General admission and VIP tickets on sale now. Details at 1500ESPN.com. And here's a little something for you. Oh, you know what that means if you've been listening this hour. Two times every hour, we're giving away a copy of MLB The Show 18 for PlayStation 4. And because Dave played the ESPN Baseball Tonight Chime, you can be the fifth caller and win that video game right now. 651-646-8255-877-615. 1500. I used to be all in on baseball video games. I, I, it's been about 10 years since I've been, you know, a regular player of baseball video games, but mm-hmm. the first game I ever fall, fell in love with was for Game Gear. You remember they had Game Boy. This might have been, you might have been a little bit too adult. I remember at this time. Game Boy. So Game Boy, uh, but then they had the Sega version of Game Boy, which was called Game Gear. Never heard of that it one. Was, it was horizontal. The Game Boy was vertical. Yep. It was black, kind of horizontal with a, a wider screen. And I don't remember the name of the game, but I know that they had actual, they had Players Association uh, rights to the names. So you got to play with like Bo Jackson. And, uh, and if you hit a lot of the early video games, the speed of the players didn't match like the flow of the game. So you could hit a ground ball to shortstop and it's a routine out in real life. And if you had if you had like Chuck Knobloch leading off, you just it beat out. it out every time. <laughs> yeah. I wish I remember the name of the game, but the only- now it's like you can these it's like actually playing on a real field when you play games like the show eighteen for PS4. The only baseball game that I played like that was was in the early eighties. There was a handheld there, there was handheld football and I'm yeah, yeah. and I mean little and baseball. And it would just be red dots. And so the pitch would come in, dee, 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 yes. and you would swing, and that was it. Yes. That was the extent of my gaming when it came to baseball. Yes. Uh, I think it was just called World Series Baseball is the name of the game. I think it was very simple. It was like uh, the major, oh, the majors pro baseball is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there on road trips. In Game Gear, the batteries died after like an hour and a half. So you'd have to 
So when we go on road trips, my dad, he, he had family. He grew up in Kankakee, Illinois, so we'd always make the drive like through Wisconsin down to it'd be like a seven or eight-hour drive. And we discovered the cigarette lighter adapter for the first time in the early 90s where oh, you yeah. could just like plug something into a cigarette sure. adapter and then play video games in the backseat. So like that was the first baseball video game that ever. And then there was Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball for Super Nintendo. And I think the only player with his actual name on the game was Ken Griffey Jr., <laughs> and he had his actual stance, and all the other players were like, Biff McGee. Just generic. Bolt Lightning. <laughs> that was the same thing for Roger Clemens baseball yes. for the regular Nintendo. <laughs> you could have Clemens, but I was always the A's. You had McGuire and Conseco, which were bash and bash. <laughs> Ricky Anderson was speed. I think Kirby Puckett was like pucker or something like that. I want to find this. <laughs> pucker. What's it? Uh, here we go. Oh, this is, let me see, Roger Clemens' uh, baseball video game. What was it called? Roger Clemens' baseball, right? Something like that, yeah. There's got to be a website so then did, to this. Did, and the, the game was all about hitting bombs. Every game you played ended at like 22 to 20. It was ridiculous. Did Clemens play for for his team, or was, was it just a generic team? No, you know what? I think that was, I think they had generic team names, like nicknames. I think it was like the Minnesota Hounds. Because they didn't or buy the rights. Like yeah. Or they couldn't get the and rights. The Oakland, whatever. Yeah. And the, yeah, they had like all, all the major league cities or states represented, but all the other all the nicknames were different and weird. Yes. Okay, here here's some of them. There's actually a Wikipedia page devoted to this. Roger Clemens, MVP baseball. So they had uh like Daryl Strawberry's name was Raspberry on the game. <laughs> That's clever. Uh, Steve Sachs is clarinet. Oh, <laughs> Remember this? oh, yeah. No, no, I don't, but that's very good. David Justice is judge. <laughs> All rise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rob Deere, can you guess what Rob Deere's name is? Buck. Close. Doe. Getting closer. Fawn. Fictional. Bambi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. Uh, let's see, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco both named Bash. So Dave's right on that. Uh, oh, oh, I remember this one. Cal Ripken Jr.'s name was just Ripken spelt backwards. It was Neckper. <laughs> N-E-K-P-I-R. You couldn't call him Ripper or something like that? Yeah. Ozzie Smith is Wizard. Who thought of that one? Let's spell his name backwards. This will be great. Ricky Henderson's name is just Speed. Speed. That's what he said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Winfield is Winbrenner. In reference to Winfield's public feud with Yankees owner George Steinbrenner well, that, throughout that's good, at least. the 1980s. Okay, that, that's creative. I like that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, so they just had like they just had one name though. So like the like the, the San Francisco Quakes instead of the San Francisco yes. Giants. The Los Angeles Apaches was a team. So the so the Quakes were Thom McWill, which is uh Will Clark, right? Mm-hmm. McWill. Yes. Well, then there's Will was the number three hitter. Kevin's Basser. So they, they tried to tweak the names to be <laughs> to be pretty close. I don't know who, who Barry Bonds. Was, Bonds might have been a pirate. What was Puckett again? It was like Pucker or something <laughs> like that. I don't I don't remember what it was. What was Piazza? Oh, he was. Do you remember? No, that was before him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. this is. I mean, he, I don't think he was even a rookie at that point. Hold yeah. on, I got the I got the twins. It's the Minnesota Hounds. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's Chuckno, Novelock, Gladman, Gladdy, yeah. Pucker, Becker. What Herbeck. year was this game? Oh, Herbeck. Okay, Chill, Chili Davis, Chili Davis. Pags from Mike Palliarulo. Okay, these are all Garkin, Gene Larkin, Gene Larkin. So they're doing it. You know, they're doing it pretty close. Uh, Junior, Junior, Junior Ortiz. Ortiz. Yes, 
McShane. Shane Mack, yes. <laughs> oh. uh, Luzi. Scott Lewis. Scott Lewis. Scott Lewis. Scott Scott yeah. yeah, it would have to be. Caster. Like a Castro, uh, uh, or um, uh, uh, that one's got me. John Castino. I, no, that would have been post, way post Castino. Okay. Uh, Dannon and Harbor. Harbor's got to be Brian Harper. Brian Harper, right? And then the pitchers were Moore, Jack, Scottson. So yeah, pretty obvious. Yeah. Gutman, Allenson, Carl for Carl Willis, mm-hmm. Wait, Bedersian. Rico Gulera. So Rico Gulera. <laughs> that's that's got to be a violation, right? Uh, Perman and East. Sure. All right. So there it is. You missed out on this generation really, of great I'm video really games. Really sorry, I missed this. Trying being too old sued. and drunk at, and drunk at the time. Imagine like I'm in sure your I had effort, friends that played it. In your effort to avoid getting sued by the Players Association, Rico Gulera is good <laughs> enough. <laughs> and so that so that was for the, for the game that. Clemens had? Yes. Yes. Okay. Roger Clemens, MVP baseball. <laughs> That's... All right. Lou Natty, video game connoisseur, will join us when we come back.